So last week, uh, I quoted uh, an author of a book that I've read uh, or actually began to read. Uh, I'm one of those readers. Anyone else like that? You pick up a book, you think it's a great book, you kind of get about halfway, you kind of feel like you've read it. Anyone else like that? I'm like that all the time. I mean, we don't do that with films, do we? Or maybe some of you do with films. Oh, do you? All right. You get bored. It's time for bed. Time for bed, dear. Away we go. I don't do that with films. I watch it till the end. Don't do it with the book. Anyway, so the book I was reading, uh, Invitation to a Journey, is the process of becoming formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. That's the goal. That's the destination. That's what we're about over the next number of weeks, becoming. And uh, last week, uh, I set you a bit of a goal. And uh, it was a, it was a, bit, of a, bit, of a bit of homework. It was a memory verse. It was to remind ourselves, you know, we're practicing. Ed, I can tell you haven't done it. But just by the face, it's like the guilty child that hasn't done his homework. I can see it written all over there. Anyone else? No. So I wonder, can anyone remember the little memory verse that we had last week? I tell you, it was from Jeremiah. Anyone? It's not up there yet. Good. Thank you. Anyone want to have a stab at it? You read it this morning, dear. Well done. And anyone? Come on. I don't believe that. Oh, go on. You're going to. Are you looking it up? Oh, go on. Go on. Go on. Have a stab. Have a go. Go on. Declares the Lord. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> da, 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 da. Fill, fill in the gaps. Anyone else? Good attempt. Oh, Don, you're reading it out of the book. She took notes. How's that memory verse? Anyone else want to have a go? From memory. Anyone? No, I'm not going to get anywhere. Just lots of awkward faces. Right, go on. You have a, go on then. Yay. Well done. Give her a round of applause. She wins the Carrick Fergus Vineyard coffee mug. See? See? Aye, aye. Perhaps we would have had more people take part if you'd known what the prize was. Ah. <laughs> Anyways, here we are. What I want to do this morning is try and frame this whole series in a little bit more context. Uh, simply because over the next number of weeks, we are going to be talking about spiritual matters. We're going to be talking about spiritual practices, things which will enable us, things which will help us in order to grow in our relationship with Jesus by spending time in his presence, spending time in his word, spending his time with other people in different ways and different practices. And it was going to be extremely helpful, I hope, for many of us as we journey on this uh, discovery and this this uh, roadmap of becoming more like him. But I want to do it in such a way through this morning to just frame it in a much wider context. And by saying this, that everything is spiritual. I'm going to say that many times this morning. Everything is spiritual. What do I mean? You see, in our Western kind of modern day thinking, we have separated our whole lives, and we've compartmentalized our very existence. And so we have our physical being, we have our mental 
well-being. We have our emotional well-being and our social side of life and our spiritual side of life. And all of these different things are all interconnected. And unless we're careful, what we do is we kind of box various things and we say, oh, uh, that's that bit and that's that bit and that's all the other bits. But what I'm trying to say this morning is that everything is spiritual. Whenever we uh, embarked on the teaching series about healing, uh, I used a similar sort of example to help us understand how everything's connected. So, for example, a person could have a headache. And that's the problem. That's what's presented yourself with. You're like, oh, my goodness, my head's banging. And we can diagnose that as I've got a physical problem. But the physical problem of the headache could be caused by something else. It could be that there's a relational problem, and that's a social side of thing, which causes angst and anxiety and stress, which creates a mental, that's a mental issue, which then makes you feel rotten inside, which creates an emotional feeling of unrestlessness. And because we are spiritual beings, it's all intertwined as the one thing. And so we can't separate and just simply say that's the physical side, that's the social side, that's the whatever it might be side. Everything is spiritual. So whilst we are going to be looking at spiritual practices and spiritual behaviors, trying to help us understand that everything is spiritual. How do we spend our working day? Maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be a working day. How do we spend our average kind of day? You wake up, and uh, I don't know what it is that you do, but perhaps a you know, visit to the bathroom. You uh, may go downstairs, put the kettle on, make a cup of tea, whatever it might be. Perhaps some of you do spend some deliberate time in what we call a quiet time, and we spend some time in the scriptures and praying and thinking about the day ahead. You eat, you prepare, you wash, you take a shower, you get dressed, you jump in the car, perhaps you travel, it could be a walk, it could be a drive, it could be your rail journey, whatever it is. You go to work or school or whatever it might be. You, during the day, you have your meals. You, there are chores to be done at home, there's cooking, there's driving kids to stuff, there's exercise, socializing, social media, TV, reading, sleep. And I realize for all our lives, that format or that is very different for different people depending on our circumstances. How much of the daily time of your daily waking time is spent doing spiritual matters? In how much of our day is spiritual? It's a question. You are super good, you lot, who've just said all of it. I was fully expecting someone to sort of say, no, it's just a small part. All of it. All of it. If we're a different person in the staff room than we are in church, there's an issue. And this is the point I'm trying to make. That we, unless we're careful, can compartmentalize our time and say, we're doing spiritual things right here because we're in church. When we go to life group on Wednesday evening, that's the spiritual time. When I listen to the worship CD or whatever it is, that's the spiritual thing. But actually, the message, what we're trying to say this morning is everything is 
spiritual. What we do when we're here, when we're on our knees, when we pick up God's word, when we read it, when we listen to worship music, should, should impact everything that we do and impact our very lives when we're outside the four walls. There's a phrase that gets battered around in church or churches, and it's this, being in the world but not of it. Have you heard that said before? Yes, that we're called to be in the world but not of the world. You'd nearly think it was biblical. It, it, it is and it isn't. It, it isn't because it isn't directly like that as we read it. But it is taken, I think, from, there's a number of passages in John's Gospel, and here are just a couple of them. Firstly, uh, we read in uh, the beginning of John, John writes this about Jesus. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Jesus came into the world, the world that he created. The world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and they did not receive him. He enters a culture and a context which is very different to who he is. And they didn't get it. They didn't get him. And he lived in such a way that he was incredibly counter-cultural. That's a nice little Christian little phrase that we use from time to time, isn't it? Or he went against the flow. That's another little Christianized thing that we do and use sometimes. His life was so different. The way that he lived it, the way that he worked it out was so different to the world. He lived in the world, but he certainly was not of the world. And here's another passage, John 17. Jesus is uh, he's writing, he's praying for his disciples. This is pre, uh, pre the crucifixion. And he writes, or he says these things. I have given them your word. He's praying to the Father. And the world has hated them. For they, that's his disciples, are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. They, Jesus' disciples, are not of the world like Jesus. And he is praying to the Father, saying, don't take them out of the world. I think very often, we, the church, we in Christendom, have fallen foul of building up uh, the safety of the four walls. And we have ridden we have ridden, we have ran into the safety and we have nearly created our own Christianized culture where it's safe and we protect ourselves from the big bad world out there. And that's not what God's called us to. God has called us to live and breathe and work and interact and engage with culture and society outside the four walls. Jesus is praying to the Father, don't take them out of there. Send them. I'm sending them. As he is is equipping us, he is sending us to be in the world, 
but not to be of the world. And he prays, sanctify them by the truth, which is your word. If you'll remember last week, we talked about two kind of long words, justification and sanctification. Justification very simply means Jesus' death and resurrection means that our sin is paid for. We are justified. There and then, bang, job is done. We get to go to heaven. And I gave the brief story, the privilege of what it was like being with uh, a couple of folks really close, hours to death, and praying with them. And just one wonderful thing. Of, and at that moment, like the other man on beside Jesus on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. That's justification. But God has called us to sanctification. And it's the goal of what we're talking about. It's about becoming more like Jesus. He doesn't want to just forgive us of our sin. He wants to set us free of the things that bind us up and keep us from fully loving him and fully loving uh, the people that he's called us to be. He's empowering us with the presence of the Holy Spirit that we wouldn't keep this good news, the gospel that he's entrusted to us, to ourselves, rather that he would empower us with the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit that he's given each one of us to go and share that and go give that to a broken, hurting world. This is what sanctification is, becoming more like Jesus for the sake of others. And Jesus prays, sanctify them by the truth, which is your word. And we become more like him as we immerse ourselves in what does the Bible tell us? What does it say? And we become more like Jesus when we hear the still small whispers of the voice of the Holy Spirit that speaks truth from the Father to us, his people, that we would be sanctified and become more like him. Another book I've been reading um, is by an author and a pastor called John Mark Comer. He's a pastor uh, in Portland, in Oregon, in the States. And uh, he, he writes this. He says that uh, there's a nasty rumor floating around the church, and it sounds something like this. I quote, it's who you are that matters, not what you do. And he argues the point, uh, and I understand that whole understanding, it's who you are, that's important. I get that. But he's saying, what you do doesn't matter. It does matter. It absolutely matters. What we do and how we spend our lives absolutely matters. Our actions display who we are. Let's talk about the most significant portion of how we'll spend our lives, which is working. If we were to add up all the hours that we spend in our lifetime, probably the time that we spend at work engaged in that, whether we work for a job and we get paid money or whether we stay at home and we, uh, we have job and we have role looking after children or whatever it might be, um, or for whatever reason, if you're unable to work, the time that you spend, this is the most significant, largest chunk of time that we will spend. So what is it that you do? What do you work at? What is it that you uh, have spent your life doing or are still doing? 
What do you think God thinks about it? Some of us teach and make run your own business. You're involved in insurance or IT, stay-at-home parent, human resources, medical, legal, accounting, policing, local council, retail, manufacturing. Maybe you're still at school or at college. Maybe you're currently out of work, unable to work or retire from work. Do you think what you do is spiritual? Everything is spiritual. For some, it's easy to look at, I guess, what I do and think, oh, that's spiritual. Oh, you, you, know, you get to pray for people. You're so spiritual. People don't think that at all. Get to teach the Bible. Get to lay hands on the sick. God, you can even take funerals and weddings and things like that. That's like super spiritual. I just stack the shelves at Tesco's or fix people's cars. No. What you do, everything that we do, is spiritual. Peter's letter, he writes this. It's a gem of a verse. Many of us will know it. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Just for a moment, ponder this. What we're about to do is spiritual practice, spiritual formation. It's becoming right now. Ponder these things. You are chosen. You're receiving that. I am chosen. I am a royal priest. I am holy. I am God's special one. I may declare tomorrow morning when I meet the annoying person that I don't really like much as I have to work alongside them I may declare the praises of him who called me out of darkness and has the ability and the potential to call you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So here's the thing. You're an electrical engineer. You're a priest. You're a taxi driver. You're a priest. You're retired. Some of you are thinking, thank goodness I'm off the hook. No, you're not. You're a priest. You're an estate agent, parking attendant, tax official, speed camera operating person. Even you're still a priest. That was a bit below the belt. Flip. When Ivan goes, oh, 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 I know I've overstepped the mark. <laughs> oh, dear. We are God's chosen people. Wherever we are, he is there also. And we're called to minister. We're called to be the minister in those places. Again, in John Mark's book, he hates the word ministry. And he goes to town. And I think perhaps we should too. We use the word ministry in lots of different contexts within the life of the church. 
And uh, we hear phrases batted around like being called to the ministry. I'm a full-time, when, when, when were you called to be in full-time ministry? Like it's this, you know, and that's where we get our title. What do you do for a living? I'm a minister. We're all called to be ministers. The word um, minister, or yeah, comes from the Greek word diakonos, which simply means service. It just so happens that my ministry is serving in the local church. That's the context of where I serve. But where you serve, that's where your ministry is. And that's where you're called to be a minister. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm making light of that, not in an irreverent way. Please don't take that as an irreverent thing. But that we understand we're all called to this spiritual Jesus stuff. So if you're a landscape gardener, you're in ministry. Bus driver, outdoor bounds, activity teacher, you work behind the till in Tesco's, whatever it might be, you're in ministry. Um, uh, one of the board, one of our board of directors is a man called Stevie McCann. Stevie is part of uh, Causeway Coast Vineyard Church. And uh, Stevie has had a previous kind of career elsewhere. Uh, and he is now the, I don't know what he is, chief something. I'm looking at Ivan. You know, no, no, I don't know. He, he's, a, he's a senior role. He works for Coleraine Football Club. He's a real passion in football, just loves it, played Irish League football as a youngster. And uh, that's, that's where God has him, because he had connection there. He was, a, he was a coach. He used to coach the academy, the young lads there. And uh, just with time and just through relationship, he, uh, they offered him this job, and he's been part of there, and he's been transforming the place. A couple of significant things just to let you, let you know about. One is um, he invited the local vineyard church to come and uh, do some work at the ground. And so in one of their things called 10,000 Hours, which is similar to some of the projects that we have done serving the local community, they went and they, they cleaned up like loads of the buildings, the changing rooms, redecorated, painted the outside walls, just, just came and served and came and gave the place a really good makeover. And the, the football club and the community there were really blown away by this and really overwhelmed by the generosity of this local church and what they had done. And Stevie would tell you that that was one of the pivotal moments of the transformation of this football club. I actually think, personally, and I said this to him on just last week when we met, I just said, I think that his role a senior level in the football club is a trans is has a direct correlation on how well the club is doing and I'm not just talking about results he has no role coaching the first team he said to us uh, during the week that their annual turnover has trebled in the last two years 
and and on the pitch clearly I'm not a big fan into football or Irish league football the point I'm trying to make is that is a man who has the presence of Jesus in him salt and light and he's working it out on a daily basis the local church are involved in fact he told me this he texted me a couple of things apparently played Linfield yesterday I'm looking at people is anyone interested in Irish league football anyone in this room not too many. You are. Did, uh, okay, is that right? Linfield played. So, so the local police up in Coleraine basically asked, could they borrow, could they use the vineyard area for the away fans, for the Linfield away fans to park their vehicles? And so Stevie said, yes, no problem. They opened up the car park and that's that. After yesterday, the chief of police there approached Stevie and said, Ballymena are playing on Tuesday and we use your car park again. It really helps us. It really helps our policing plan. da di da di da And it's like, yes. This is partnership. This is being involved in the local area, bringing life, bringing transformation. I remember, I was thinking about this this morning as I came here, about this. I remember about two or three years ago speaking about areas of culture and society that need the presence of Jesus and need kingdom transformation. And I said, one of the key areas I've seen is Irish League football. Do you remember that? Anyone remember that? Two of you. That's great. Do you do, Kenny? Thanks, son. It absolutely is. That's just one part of our world, isn't it? What other parts of the world are you at where he has you at? Transforming culture, society around us. Boy, Carrick Rangers could do with someone in there. Over the coming weeks, we're going to look at spiritual practices. I've wanted this morning to try and just put this, this is still kind of introductory in some context, that we don't somehow compartmentalize in our brains this. If we read the Old Testament, especially the book of Leviticus, I know many of you go there all the time, especially when you're looking for inspiration. But if you were to read it, even they, they wouldn't even speak, they wouldn't even need a sermon on this because everything that they did, everything had some kind of correlation to it being a spiritual matter. There were laws about how you washed your hands, there were laws about what you did with your stuff. There were laws about how we would relate with each other. Why? Because God was at the very center of everything that took place. So here's what I'd like us to do as we come into land. Here's our little bit of practice. And I wonder, could we bring up that verse again, just the Peter verse? This is our memory verse for next week. We have a coffee cup up for grabs or maybe a bag of Haribo sweets. Not that one. No, not that one. No, the, the Peter one, please. There we go. So let's, as we kind of come into land, let's just ponder, practice this. This is, this is called meditation, really to ponder but you let's just change those words but I am 
chosen person, a royal priest. We are a holy people, the God's special ones, that we may declare the praises of him, cause out of darkness into his wonderful light. As we begin to ponder that, as we begin to practice that, as we begin to go back to that later today, this evening before we go to sleep, as we wake up tomorrow morning before we go and enter the madness of the day and everything that tomorrow will bring, that we spend time in his presence, that we spend time with his word, allowing him, allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate the truth of the word to us. We allow him to speak and say, this is who we are.